Hello and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godick, and with me today is Leo Glass. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, John. I'm glad. I'm very happy to be here. Excellent, excellent. Um, so Leo is the managing editor for Paizo, as well as a freelance writer and game designer. He's been contracted and published as an author, co-author, and contributing author for 21 Pathfinder and Starfinder products, including critically acclaimed adventures like Starfinder Adventure Path 35, Merchants of the Void, Pathfinder Society Quest Number 2, Unforgiving Fire, and Pathfinder Playtest Scenario, The Rose Street Revenge. He is also a co-author of a gothic horror adventure, Pathfinder Adventure 184, The Ghoul's Hunger, which is scheduled for release later this year. Leo has written and designed game products spanning a variety of genres, including children's fantasy, gothic fantasy, gothic horror, high fantasy, horror, low fantasy, science fantasy, science fiction. Are there any other genres? There's no Western in there. All right. Well, that was a mouthful. Um, Sorry, John. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's such a great pie. You've done so so many cool things. Sure. For the fact that you're an editor and this is all this writing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. so speaking of, of, of uh, the cool things that you've done, can you kind of talk about your journey to become the managing editor for Paizo and kind of what that job entails? Sure. Yeah. So mine is uh, um, in some ways a likely but unlikely story. I was, uh, uh, I've always had an English or editing background. Um, I graduated from the University of Nebraska with a double major actually in computer science and English. And so I actually... Um, sort of kind of took a different path for a while, was more in um, technology and organizational leadership development. And then eventually, uh, I kind of got a bug once uh, working uh, in a job where I specifically wrote educational curriculum and training. Uh, and I said, you know what, I want to make games. I- I've always wanted to, to do that. And so <laughs> I-, I actually started an independent video game studio is actually um, sort of how I got my start. I, I was making PC games with uh, a small group out of Lincoln, Nebraska. I moved back home because that's where I'm from originally is Nebraska. Uh, and we started working on video games, uh, surprisingly. And what's so funny about that team, our studio name was Clockwork Demon. Uh, and the hmm. everyone on that team uh, uh, works in either technology or games. Uh, and so our sound director went on to get a very good tech job. Uh, and then... Uh, let's see. Our designer uh, is uh, works on Call of Duty for Infinity Ward. Our animator works nice. at Hairbrain Schemes, and I work at Paizo. So a small team out of four. While that startup didn't succeed, uh, all went on to be in the games industry, which I'm pretty proud of because it kind of shows what we did. But anyway, um, after I after that started and then failed <laughs> in a couple years because we didn't quite get our game <laughs> produced, uh, I. Uh, became a technical editor. I had I had kind of proven that I was very good at grant writing during that time, uh, and I got a job in grant writing and editing, uh, and really learned a lot of skills. I don't know for the folks at home how much they know about grant writing, but I will tell you when you were able to read and synthesize a 200-page style guide for the National Science Foundation or the National Institutes of Health, you get very good at paying laser-like attention to detail uh, and reading and applying style guides. Uh, And so I knew I always wanted to get back into games, uh, but I had this background of uh, computer games. Uh, I had a background of, of grant writing for about three years and grant editing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start looking for jobs in the games industry again that I can do that. And 
sure enough, Paizo was the first one I found. It was an editor job, and it was actually the first one I applied to, uh, surprisingly enough. And I ended up going through the process, and I got it. And so I became an editor. Uh, I worked as an editor starting in January of 2018. I came on a week after James Case. So we started on the editing team hmm. at the exact same time, who's a designer now uh, uh, for Pathfinder. Yeah. Uh, and James and I started on the editing team. And then he eventually transitioned and became a society developer. Uh, but I stayed on the team and then was promoted when Adrian Ng left to senior editor. Um, and so I was senior editor for about a year. And then uh, my very talented, wonderful manager, Judy Bauer, managing editor, went to go work at Wizards of the Coast. Uh, and I took over and assumed her responsibilities as managing editor. So it's it's been a kind of a whirlwind career in, <laughs> in uh, a little under five years, but it's been really rewarding. Uh, and I've learned a lot and developed a, a love of editing and writing for tabletop role-playing games. So uh, what I do primarily to answer the second part of your question as a managing editor is I oversee a team that is now expanding to eight editors. Uh, I currently, mm -hmm. we, we currently are a little smaller than that because we've relied on contractors for a little bit, but, um, we're growing, uh, which is good and definitely needed. Uh, and now that we're growing, uh, I'll be overseeing a team of eight, uh, and the editors primarily are technical editors. So we look at all sorts of different things. Um, but uh, obviously we look at grammar and narrative style and narrative design, but we're also rules editors, format editors, map editors, art editors. There's a lot of technical elements that go into making sure. Wow. That brought, yeah, there's a lot of people don't realize that, that that's actually why yeah. uh, I know you interviewed Simone a little while ago. And I, I noticed as I looked through and saw some of those that, you know, it said interview with technical editor. I was so happy to see that she used that title. Um, because we really are mm -hmm. technical editors. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, you just copy edit. And boy, if I did, uh, I'd probably uh, be able to have more free time at work. <laughs> so so um, long story short, I know that was a little long winded, but that's that's kind of what I do. I primarily oversee that team as managing editor. I'm also in charge uh, primarily as kind of the, in a way, the sort of chief quality assurance officer in a way for all the products. And so mm. um, my uh, approvals voice, so to speak, and, and making sure the products are ready to go to print is is one that's heard well. And I I, I actually am one of four folks uh, on the team, including Eric Mona, et cetera, who approve all of our books. So it's kind of cool now because I'm I have a lot of say in the direction of how the brand looks and how the books look and the products the customers get, which I really enjoy. So. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot then. If you're on the approvals team, how do these errors still come through? Uh. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll say this. Uh I I always tell uh editors to keep score. And the reason why, I think it's I think it's an, yeah. I think it's really useful for any editor and especially any technical editor to be able to go, "Well, we missed one, but I as I look at my printout and I I, I know what I did, I caught the other 180." So while I'm really happy mm -hmm. or, or, you know, while I'm sad a little bit that you see that one error or that one problem or those two on a page, uh, you know, when it works out, a lot of times I had a, I had a really good mentor, actually, Liz Liddell, uh, who was on the editing team mm -hmm. for a while uh, and who I think you spoke with as well, John. Geez, you're talking to all these editors. Yep. Um, uh, she mentored me early in my career and said, you know, editing is not so much about making sure it's perfect. You'll never be able to do that. Uh, in the amount of time you have, 
what you need to do uh, is focus on making it the best possible product in the time you have. And I think that's really good advice. So um, that said, I think our team is one of the best in the industry, is frankly evidenced by how often many other companies try to take our editors from us, to be very frank. Um, uh, we mm -hmm. are, it's very competitive to become a Paizo editor and you have to be very, very skilled. Uh, and as a result, mm -hmm. um, I think we are some of the best editors in the business. Yes, errors happen, um, but, uh, but in my opinion, all of the editors I've ever worked with Paizo are some of the most talented and skilled professionals I've ever had the honor and pleasure working with. So anyway, hope that answers your question. They they sneak through. Um, but I uh, I always encourage people to sort of do like a percentage a little bit too. If even if you found <laughs> yeah. uh, one edit one error a page on a 300 page yeah. book, you're looking at less than a few percent <laughs> per word. Yeah. So um, oh, well, this was on something that I wrote and sent in mm -hmm. and uh, I, was, I was reading through. I said, oh, this is really awesome. I'm glad, you know, it went in there. And then the CR was like, oh, wait a second. They put this thing as a CR6. This is a CR13. Sure. There's no way. It, people are going to die because <laughs> of this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, and I'm sure it's a, it was a development pass that missed that. You well, know, somebody yeah, took a template. I mean, stamped it down and you know <laughs> our job is to back them up you know so certainly what yeah. i tend to say in those situations is is it's just a team effort and it's also sometimes a team mistake yeah. and team failure too you know it's yeah. a we all win together yeah. we all i one of my favorites is i think an alien archive had something like 1278 d6 or something in it like oh for, yeah 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 for, for creature damage yeah. uh uh if, if yes. you want to get into it i'll i'll let you direct it but i have lots of fun editing error stories uh yeah. uh so um or, or, or even no that's a good one it, yeah <laughs> so so how does your editing for paizo seems really comprehensive especially if you do artwork and maps and rule stuff how's that differ from the, the professional editing you did before uh, I'm guessing at University of Nebraska because those are the grants you were working on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how does that editing differ? Yeah. So I, I, I actually not a whole lot in a lot of ways because I was, and this is, I think, why I got hired, but um, I uh, was also an illustration creator. I, I have a, a, a background in hmm. publishing and design. And so I was also um, very big into information design and how to, like I often mm -hmm. helped specifically at the university, I, I helped professors apply to grants and get grants, but also to mm -hmm. illustrate complex subjects and the, of their research, I would also design and, and build those uh, diagrams and things that they would include in their proposals. And I will say that gave me an eye for detail, for looking at art, for looking at maps, especially, I think, yeah. and understanding how maps work and how they should guide a GM and guide a player. Um, to be utilized. And so in a lot of ways, frankly, I got very lucky that I took that job at the University of Nebraska mm -hmm. because it prepared me to be a very strong narrative and persuasive writer. It, it uh, helped me be a very strong and fun um, creative writer in a way, because I don't think people realize with grant writing, you are telling stories. It's just a different kind mm -hmm. of a story. Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly not about orcs and elves, but it but it, it should feel good to read and it should excite people to read just like good RPG writing should. Um, and obviously there was a very strong technical focus and understanding Pathfinder 2, Starfinder, so that I can look and go, huh, a CR 13 creature uh, doesn't seem like it fits here. Having a strong rules background is also part of it. So, so we are definitely generalists in that way. 
um, generalized specialists is what I like to say, but we sort of have to be a little bit familiar how to do everyone else's jobs and our jobs uh, so that we can back people up the best we can. We're certainly not as specialized as designers and developers are in their craft, in their field. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, I, I would say UNL helped me wow. a ton. So speaking of, of kind of writing stories and things, so, mm -hmm. so you've authored nearly two dozen Pathfinder and Starfinder products just in the last five years. Yeah. How did you get started and become so prolific when you're so busy doing all this editing? Um, you know, I don't know if that's prolific. I feel like compared to some of my 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 peers, I like certainly against Ron, someone like Ron Lundine or Stephanie, I haven't written nearly the amount of things they have um, or Eleanor. But but I I, uh, I will say this. It's been hard to be to be really honest about that question. It's been hard. Um, it's created burnout sometimes. Uh, I'll admit, mm -hmm. I, I co-authored uh, uh, Adventure Path 184, The Ghoul's Hunger, not by choice, but because I kind of burnt out and had a, a health issue in the middle of writing that. And luckily, James Jacobs was able mm -hmm. to understand my vision and, and help uh, finalize the product and knew where we wanted to go. And frankly, I think it was really benefited from our collaboration and became a really strong, fun, cool adventure. But um, it's not always easy writing, writing and editing. Editing is a full time job and writing at night uh, as a free time uh, for, excuse me, freelance gig. It, it's hard. So, frankly, uh, a lot of what I've been doing this year is kind of reprioritizing my time. I just got married. Uh, uh, Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's see. June 24th, I got married. And so I've kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus from writing just focusing more on our future and our family right now. Um, but then as I'm starting to ramp up again, because the bug's already biting me, uh, I'm just thinking a little bit more about how to pace myself a little bit better. Because um, Glenn Elliott, who's a wonderful product manager at Paizo, he put it really well to me one day. He said, well, management in itself is a full-time job. If you take on a lot of editing work while managing, that's a full-time job. And being a freelance writer can be a, a full-time job. So frankly, uh, managing all of those times has kind of been like having two to three jobs. And I, it hasn't always allowed me to focus as much as I want on family or friends or even just kind of what's around me. <laughs> so so uh, it's been rewarding and I'm happy to have done it. But uh, it, it's for anyone out there who's thinking, oh, I could do that. I would say, shoot me an email. Let's talk. And I'll, I'll tell you about what I did wrong. <laughs> learn from my mistakes a little bit. But well, how did you get started? Was it just um, you were working there and people were shopping around ideas or was it even you had the bug before you got started at Paizo? So I've been a writer for a while, but I, I had never published anything in the role playing game space before I started working at Paizo. Um, I had written uh, and done all the narrative design work on a prototype game called Adopted, which was through Clockwork Demon, which I mentioned earlier. And that was the game where you explored human relationships, but all through the lens of a family dog. You were a Boston Terrier. Uh, uh, <laughs> and you, you sort of navigated and used smell, uh, which we used uh, uh, in sort of a really artistic, cool way. It was a cel-shaded game, had a really nice animation style. I really missed that game. I wish we could have made it. Uh, but you sort of learned about what was going on and could intervene in your owner's lives uh, as you kind of uh, found an emergent story coming out. Um, and that was my first real attempt at writing, uh, to be honest. I had written short stories. I really hadn't attempted. All of my writing was internal. I had never attempted to publish anything, even though I was writing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when I started as an editor 
at Paizo. Um, I think my very first work was on the Plane Hoppers guide, I believe, which which Luis Losa was uh, working on for P1, and and I think just sent around an email and and said, hey, does anyone want to write, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z of the outline? And I think some spells were there, and I I came up with one uh, that I think was uh, that he really liked that was speak speak with planes, uh, the ability to actually <laughs> cast a spell and and speak with. Uh, the different planes. I, I just wanted to talk to the abyss. I feel like I already do as a human being anyway. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of where that came from. Um, and um, I started there. Uh, that work went pretty well. And then um, a lot of one of the perks of being at Paizo, frankly, is that as you learn to edit, you sort of learn what a final product looks like. And that helps kind of a developer give, give some confidence that your turnover would be indicative of that. And so I just started writing mm -hmm. Starfinder and Pathfinder work from there. Um, and one of my first but favorite articles, and to this day, uh, was an article I wrote for Jason Keeley uh, for Starfinder. I believe this was Dawn of Flame. I wrote an article called Strange Gear, and I wrote a mm -hmm. five-pound uh, gummy skittermander that was a mega vitamin, mega vitamin that gives you like temporary hit points if you if you eat this thing. <laughs> I think I, I think I might have written also a, a bomb that you throw in toilets to basically explode uh, starship toilets. So leave <laughs> a gummy skittermander and a, and a, a starship cherry yeah. bomb. But I I laughed because they picked up the 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 flushbuster, the toilet bomb. They picked that up for yeah. Tech Revolution and published it in there. So oh. that, I got published. In the, <laughs> in a hardcover without even trying. Nice. Um, so yeah, so, yeah it's, it's primarily been through Paizo, but actually now that I'm an established writer, I've had other companies reach out to me. I had an opportunity with my good friend, Chris Sims, uh, worked on Draculola, hmm. which is, as you mentioned, a kind of a children's fantasy uh, piece. Um, he wants me eventually to write an adventure for that, but we've kind of lost touch. I, I, even though I play with him every Saturday in a Starfinder game, I need to reach out and be like, hey, are we going to write this adventure? Um, but uh, but I've had other companies reach out too. And frankly, right now, now that the ghoul's hunger is out, I'm going to take a little Paizo break um, to work on some of my own stuff. But that's that's kind of how I got started, um, was, was just being an editor. And I learned the craft pretty fast and was able to apply that and transition it into a writing career. So I'm a little different. A lot of Paizo writers start as freelancers and work their way up. Right. Um, I had the technical skills to kind of get the job and then figure out how to become a writer afterwards. So, Well, I imagine with your experience with all the different uh, style sheets and everything that you have, that that really gives you a leg up, at least in the formatting and kind of knowing what it's supposed to look like. So your editing, I'm sure, really informs your freelancing. Does your freelancing also inform the editing you do? Oh, yeah. So, so much so. Um, and because, frankly, you know, being a freelance author is a, is just so much different. You know, you're given an, given an outline. In a way, they're, they're so correlative and, and so synergistic as jobs, like an editor and a freelance author. However, because they're mm -hmm. on different ends, they're almost antithetical in a way because um, as an as an editor... I'm not thinking about uh, like I'm not ideating right as an as an author. Uh, I sort of have to be very yes, 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 yes. Uh, like thinking about ideas, thinking about outlines, and going, yeah, Ron wants me to do this, so or Jason wants me to do X, so I could try this. And I'm throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall and just seeing what sticks and iterating and shaping yeah. that and and turning that into yeah. something palatable and fun, right? 
But then as an editor, uh, you kind of have to turn your editor brain off while you're writing because you need to not be saying no or how and when and why some of the editor questions. But then when you're ready to edit, then you have to, to sort of realize that you didn't write it. You almost have to take yourself out of it and go, I'm not the author on this. I'm, I'm going to work on this as if I'm not the author. Uh, and I'm just going to start killing my darlings like I would, frankly, if you wrote a piece. Mm. Um, yeah. While I respect you as an author, it's my job to make the best possible product that goes out there into the world. And that means sometimes I have to make tough decisions. Uh, and uh, uh, But it's a trust exercise that you trust me to take care of your work, to ask the developer who hired you strong questions and good questions to make it the best we can. And hopefully that social contract comes together. So yes, when you are a freelancer, you start to realize that, oh, wow, some of the habits I have might be giving editors and developers fits. Maybe I'm not actually uh, helping them uh, in some of this. I'm, as you can already tell from interviewing me, I'm a very wordy person. Uh, and I, I have to often, which is funny, because while I'm, I'm spoken word very, very wordy, when I write, I like to be very concise, but I always have to temper that that urge inside that's like, add another clause, add a little bit more. Maybe you could add some more adjectives and adverbs and whatever. But then the editor side of me comes in and just strikes ruthlessly and goes, nope, didn't need so. So I, I think I learn a little bit also just to be patient with authors, to be patient with developers. To your point about um, mistakes earlier, how did this error come in? To be very honest with you, I think it's a kind of a common misconception to people that when an error makes it through, it was a mistake by an editor or a mistake by an author or a developer or whatever. The biggest enemy to me of, of high quality in the games industry is not uh, a person or even a process. It's really time, uh, especially at Paizo. Mm -hmm. We produce uh, nearly four times as much quantity of volume, especially including organized play, as almost any of our competitors. Uh, we produce close to 6,600 pages a year which is, in my research, uh, a highest volume. And I'm proud to be able to, to put that many awesome pages out into the world. But we produce a lot of things. But that creates uh, you know, some challenges with time and making sure that everything gets uh, as much time as it needs. So frankly, to your question, uh, what I've learned about being a freelance, or what I've learned about being an editor is that I need to be patient with people because freelancing is a different kind of art form. It's not as technical. It's often more ideation based. Uh, and if I make a mistake, I've caught mistakes in my own work, not even realizing it was my own work going, why would someone do that? And then go, oh, wow, Leo, you did this. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, I think learning to be patient, learning to be kind, learning to be collaborative is a very good skill for mm -hmm. an editor. And unfortunately, you spend a lot of your day criticizing things and you might need to temper, temper yourself a little bit and just go, okay, um, you should give criticism, but it needs to be constructive. And you should always remember that we're all in this together and, and that anybody can write a great sentence uh, if they give it time, but anyone can also maybe write a poorly constructed sentence too, even some of the greats, so. Oh, have you edited any of my stuff? Oh, I'm sure I have. I, 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 I've, edit, I've edited most freelancers things, but I'll tell you, we normally don't know because the developers hire the, by the time it comes to us, it's either in a pre-layout stage or a post-layout stage. And there's nothing at the top that says, John wrote this, or Leo wrote this, or Ron okay. wrote this. Uh, so, so right. I normally will find out <laughs> post-layout and I see what credits are inserted, you know, to know. And then yeah. 
you know, um, if I look, I might know, but I don't know. What have you written? Like what, what, is there anything that maybe it would ding for me? And I'd go, Oh yeah, I've, I've edited. Well, I just, I just did a big turnover for Starfinder that uh, something's coming out next year. Oh, okay. And that's, I, that's when you were saying something, I'm thinking, Oh man, you must be reading what I just turned in. Isn't that bad? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I suspect it's uh, coming to me soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did uh, the Starfinder uh, bounty number one. That's something very distinct. Uh, so I did that oh, one. Cool. That was all mine. Um, I, a lot of hardcover stuff. So Starship Operations Manual, um, Galactic Magic. I did a bunch of stuff there. Um, Drift, cra- uh, Drift Crisis hardcover. I did a bunch of stuff as well. Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure um, I edited some words then. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. You don't. <laughs> nothing stands out that was super bad that John did though. So, so, so when you when you find errors in your work, you can be like, "It was Leo," and shake your hands. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Well, the last yeah. one, I'm like, oh, I'm so you know because so there's an author blog, and we talk about what we wrote, and so I'm mm-hmm. going back and reading through all the stuff I wrote, right, uh, for Drift Crisis, and uh, and and I said, "Oh man, there's this one thing in here. People are going to know I wrote this. They're going to say." Why did he make this creature so hard? <laughs> yeah, because it's it was a it was a CR thirteen and it's listed as a CR six, and it's real yeah. obvious it's right next to a CR fifteen, and the numbers aren't that different from that creature. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I'll say this: I was so, thinking, oh, should I? Yeah. Well, to, to that to Go that ahead. point, uh, I'll say this: the first time, and and this I think is good for anybody. So I've written a lot of stuff, as as you said, I've I've written a lot of genres yeah. uh, and i've edited a lot for i mean i've edited way more frankly than i've written um the very first time someone transforms your work you need to i think just humble yourself a little bit or that's the only way you're going to be successful mm-hmm. in the industry right. uh, ron right, ladine right, right. actually gave me some right. of that advice so did Luis loza but i remember i wrote some stuff for the character operations manual that got cut from the whole book and i remember I messaged Luis that night and I was like, did this just suck? What did I do wrong? Like, I was so excited to to write for this book. And he said, I bet it has nothing to do with even what you did. They were probably just out of space. And that's the work that, that you know, needed to. And I remember I, and it all made sense later because I had actually written a precog archetype um, uh, for yeah. for that. And they, they didn't hire me to write the class, but they used some of the foundational stuff that I did to inform what, uh, Thurston Hillman did for the class right. or the precognitive class. And that's why it got cut. And so I I always tell people if it, whether it's an error or your work got cut or changed in a way, just hang in there and, and, and try to just use it as a learning experience, but also just as a little bit of fortitude building, because that's mm-hmm. kind of what writing is uh, at, a, at a professional level is um, sometimes things will come out exactly as you want. And I, I will say, Jake Tondro made Merchants of the Void sing for me. It's been very well received. I get a lot of fan feedback mm-hmm. about how much fun they've had playing that. Uh, and then I laugh sometimes because they'll be like, that line you wrote that was so funny. I love that. And I'm like, oh, Jake actually wrote that. But he made, <laughs> he made me look good. So it, it works yeah. both ways, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's something uh, Ron and I, you know, have talked about quite a bit. How So we're, you know, we've played several adventure paths books that he's written mm-hmm. and he said you know i remember how i wrote it but now when we run it it i gotta see what's different <laughs> you know yep. so even somebody who's been so prolific knows there's changes and for me 
you know, I, I've had 13 uh, contracts now with, cool. with Paizo. Awesome. And so when I, when I see the final product, for me, it's not like, oh man, they messed it up. It's, or I screwed up or whatever. It's like, how can I do better? What did they do that changed it, improved it? Why did they do that? How can I then make it better the next thing I do? Yeah. So I, I think your point is really well taken. And, and you hit an area that I wish, frankly, if I had one thing I could snap my fingers about and make the industry better and not just Paizo, but any, any company in the industry, it's just a little bit better at, at giving the chance to give feedback to folks because mm-hmm. we don't get, you know, while every developer does try to give feedback to everyone they hire, I will say that I would love to sometimes being on the back end, uh, sit down with a freelance author and be like, Hey, this is what I saw. Here's how I think you could improve. But unfortunately I never I very seldom get those interactions. I always encourage people if they can tell me what they worked on and I can actually remember that I worked on it uh, <laughs> to, to sit down with me at a convention like PaizoCon yeah. or GenCon or whatever. And I'll, yeah. I, I can try to give feedback, but I, I wish in general well, that's the, yeah. that more, but anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here for something now. Uh-oh. Um, it's been a pretty regular uh, career path move for people to go f- to Paizo from editing mm-hmm. to designing and developing. Yep. Is that something maybe you've thought about or are you just so firmly entrenched and love editing that you're going to stay there forever? Oh, if it, if it was, I should have made my mind up about that a few years ago, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, I will say that that question recently sort of came up again and that's all I can say publicly about that. Um, and I, you know, I think I've gotten a few years a real decision to make, but I will say this. When I took on mm-hmm. um, the role as uh, a managing editor at Paizo, you know, it's no secret that we recently unionized as a company. It's no secret that mm-hmm. there are a fair amount of internal challenges that we have about making sure that we have the infrastructure and capacity we need to be a sustainable, uh, but also fun mm-hmm. and and sensitivity committed. I mean, we've got lots of great things going on at Paizo. I think we're one of the best game products out there personally um as far as pathfinder and starfinder i love our games i love playing our games and that's why i love editing our games but we do need to continue uh to build infrastructure internally Uh, and one of those uh particular issues is making sure that our edit team um had capacity to be able to be as successful as it needed to be and i can't go into specifics really but i can say that at a very general level, there were things that we were doing that were not enabling our editors to be as successful as I'd like them to be. And one of the main reasons why I became managing editor was to really take on those challenges. I, Like I said, I have a background in organizational leadership development as well and change management. And I know how to do this, frankly. I know how to make organizations better uh, and I know how to lead change. And um, I was very well positioned for that. And I'm not done. We got through phase one of my my phase three plan. I have a three phase plan to get the editing team uh, to where Eric Mona and I would like to get it successfully. And and uh, we executed phase one. I'm in the middle of phase two right now. Actually, the hiring the the, the editors that we're hiring now are part of that phase. Uh, and then I'm gonna enact phase three, and that's probably gonna take me another two years at least. Um, and while there is a part of me sometimes that goes, oh, I want to be a developer or I want to be a designer because that is inside. Yeah. I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. Uh, there's another part of me that wants to really help and guide this team who loves editing and who wants to continue to edit and wants to mentor 
uh, and help shape our products uh, to be the best they can on the back end. So I'm just kind of continually reminding myself when I feel that bug, hey, stay the course. Change management takes time. Most change, man initi change management initiatives take between one to four years to really see results uh, and to install. And yeah. that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm proud to be a part of that, frankly. And I think we're seeing it. I think we're seeing editors on our team really stick with it and want to retain and continue not only to, to learn and grow at Paizo for a couple of years, but want to stick with the company. Uh, and that's not really a criticism of Paizo. Frankly, turnover throughout the games industry is a challenge. And I know I won't solve that, but I want to make the Paizo experience for editors the best I possibly can. And I'm really motivated by that. So um, no is the short answer to your question right now. Uh, <laughs> I do not want to become a designer or developer, but certainly there are times uh, when I, I consider opportunities and I go, what if, what if I had done what James Case had done and jumped off and become a developer? Would I be a designer now? Would I be a developer or senior developer? Or what would I be? Um, but, you know, I think that's the beauty of working at a place like Paizo that gives you opportunities to write if you want them, that gives you opportunities to do other things while I'm taking a break right now from writing. When and if I want to go back, I think I would be able to have some of those conversations, and that's really awesome, and would allow me to kind of scratch some of those itches. But um, it's a good question, and I think every person, every person in the games industry, wherever you work, you need to think about where do you want to be in the next couple of years, you know. And and for me, this path kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, Judy left, and I saw an opportunity to help people, and for me, helping people is a uh, you know, you're, I think you'd reference your teacher and I maybe, so maybe you can re relate to this, but um, I, I think for me, helping people succeed is a, is a core part of my being. I just, it, and to me, that's what a manager should do because you're a mentor, you're a coach. So right now that's my path and that's what I'm going to lean into. But maybe, maybe down the road uh, when I feel like the editing team is, has really got, uh, we've done the training we need to to make sure somebody can replace me. We've got succession planning. Maybe I'll start at that point looking around and go, hey, you know, what What else could I do? But we'll see. We'll see. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, you know, Paizo put out a call for uh, hiring some new editors here uh, several weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you're in the process of kind of screening applicants now. Can you talk a little bit about what that process looks like for somebody who wants to become an editor at Paizo? I can. Yeah, good question. So uh, we are hiring at least two, but maybe more than that, depending on how some things wiggle around uh, new editors to our team. Um, we are we had a dramatic response uh, to our application postings, and it's been great. But I've, I've reviewed I think I started with 465 applications in the first couple of weeks uh, wow. and we're, we're above 500 now. And we only get to pick two of those people. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think people realize. So when I myself applied to the job, uh, I believe there were at least 300 or so applicants. Um, one of the things that folks don't realize, I think, is that it's very competitive to be an editor at Paizo. Um, and you have to be very technically skilled and you have to be very technically experienced. But you also have to. Um, I think be willing to, if you're not, if you don't have a technical background in editing, one, you have to be a very good persuasive writer and convince someone like me that let's say, and we've had successful editors, frankly, with this background, let's say you are a successful quality assurance, like QA tester at Nintendo, 
right? Let's say that you literally just worked on video games, making sure, but you want to be in editing because you love uh, tabletop role-playing games. You can make that work. Adrian Ng, uh, uh, Lou Pelazar, Joe Passini had a background like that. Joe, Joe Passini's uh, the Starfinder lead designer right now and, and, and started mm-hmm. with that background and got into editing first. Um, but you have to be able to show someone that those synergistic skills, that attention to detail, that ability to break things uh, in, in an effort to fix them, so to speak, will help you as an editor and, and help you in the role-playing games industry. And so that's step one to me is if you have the experience, articulate it, show me. If you have synergistic experience that you think can apply, show me that too. And then at, at sort of cost of, of all else, um, uh, have as many strong technical skills that will apply as possible. So what's really interesting is that, so a re- another reason, John, you hit so many good things, but one of the things that the University of Nebraska <laughs> really helped me, we're going back to UNL again, but I worked with InCopy, Adobe InCopy, and learned that software, and I worked with Adobe InDesign. Uh, and I learned how to do some phenomenal things in both of those programs uh, as an editor. And I will tell you one of the best ways to get my attention on a resume is to say, you know how to use Adobe InDesign because, or, or, or Adobe mm-hmm. InDesign because we utilize that software and that training can be very taxing on folks to learn sometimes about how do I copy fit. And so if you self-train, it doesn't matter. Formal training's good, but if you self-train too, it's all training, it's all knowledge. So I, I tell people first start with techno, technical skills. You know, I'm gonna duck, duck off screen for a second to say, if you, one of the first things you can do is just go buy a copy of this. This is the Chicago Manual of Style. You see, I've got all sorts of fun tabs mm-hmm. in mind. Um, this is our primary out-of-house style guide that we use when not using in-house style guides. If you can just go online, there are some awesome automated quizzes uh, for Chicago style. If you can take those and then send me your scores in a cover letter or something and say, hey, I did all of these quizzes uh, and I consider myself well-versed or I've read it cover to cover or I've read these sections that I know are pertinent to what you do and I see how Starfinder and Pathfinder might need some of that or or exactly how to apply the style guide in, in this sort of way. That's what we do. And that tells me you're going to hit the ground running um, because you're well-versed uh, in Chicago style. So it's it's really interesting uh, you know, obviously love of Pathfinder, love of role-playing games, love of Starfinder, that's all important, but technical skills uh, and the ability to apply them speak a lot louder uh, in, in the editing industry in a lot of ways. And so I, I encourage people to have that passion for Pathfinder, to have that passion for Starfinder, but also, you know, carry a big stick and, and show me uh, that you're, you know, you're a barbarian ready to swing an axe and behead a few goblins or whatever. Uh, once, once you hit the ground running, because that's, that's, uh, more important than, than kind of anything else. Cause uh, unfortunately, as I, as I said, um, this industry also moves way faster than most people realize. I, I, I sort of laugh when, um, people say like, I found this typo. I read through the whole book. I can't believe they missed this, this thing. Uh, you know, I'll see it on the forums or whatever. How could they have done that? And I just sort of laugh and go, I'll tell you reading reading a book in the comfort of your own home when there are no deadlines and your ability to process things is much different uh than editing a project a high high volume technical project on a very fast deadline uh and the people who can i think a lot of folks who 
state those types of things on the internet if they actually saw what we do. I invite them, in fact, to apply and take the editing test because I bet when they take the editing test, we we usually have um, about half of the people who say they want an editing test after they see it, they actually drop out uh, uh, because they start to realize. Um, and that's the truth. Uh, I, I The last time yeah. we did a hiring round, I sent out 33 as senior editor. I sent out 33 editing tests. We got 14 back. Um, and, uh, I think a lot of that is because people go, Oh, geez, they really want me to think about a lot of things. And, and I don't give them much time. You have 48 hours, you have two days to edit, uh, in the editing test when you right. take it. And it's, it really mimics some of the pressure that we're under every day. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that my, my advice would be, um, Think about what technical skills you can bring to the table. And if you don't have them, that's okay. I didn't, like seven years ago, I didn't know how to use Adobe InCopy. I, I had used the Chicago Manual of Style, but learn it. And then once, mm-hmm. you, know, once you learn it, uh, demonstrate it. And I think if you do that, you'll always stand out. And frankly, all of us do this. Uh, Judy Bauer, if she's going to hire you uh, at Wizards of the Coast, uh, my former managing editor, she's going to love that you have those two skills. Uh, if you're... If you want to work at Monty Cook, if you want to work at Modifius, I don't care where you want to work. Um, if you really branch out and get those skills, you're going to be attractive uh, to work as even, frankly, not just an editor, a developer, designer, whatever you want to do in the industry. Hmm. So, you know, that's a lot of advice for somebody who wants to be an editor and talking mm-hmm. about the process that you're going through. What about if they want to become a freelancer? Whew, you know, I'm my advice is going to be a little different than some. I think uh, we kind of saw this. One of the best panels I was on at PaizoCon was a panel with Vanessa uh, Hoskins mm-hmm. and um, uh, James Jacobs. And what I loved in that panel is it really showed that every writer has a different approach to, to everything. Um, so my advice, take it with a grain of salt. You're getting Leo Glass advice right now. You're not, you're not getting general <laughs> Paizo advice if you're out there. That said, I would say to anyone who wants to be a writer, what do you want to say? And I'm not talking about um, I'm not talking about what kind of creatures you want to make or what kind of adventures you want to write. But what do you want to say? Um, and what's your perspective? What's your point of view as an author? And I think you should have one. And for me, when Merchants of the Void came up, um, I wanted to explore capitalism and imperialism um, and understand how that might work in a you know kind of a, a post. Uh, uh, sort of post-human uh, world like Starfinder presents, you know, like a you know very integrated, very high, high economy, high fantasy sort of world where you know um, there are maybe less problems that we deal with every day, but also the same problems that we deal with every day, uh, and explore what it looks like to be a space trucker, a, a merchant uh, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then take those ideas of, of like how to make money and succeed and be the best darn space trucker you can be and completely subvert them with really hard moral choices, <laughs> um, really challenging yeah. things that happen to NPCs. Uh, and so I often, I remember somebody asked me after they finished Merchants of Void, it was a streamer actually, they finished and they said, what were you going for here? Did you want me to, to be to think positively about capitalism and 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 colonization and some of these things or did you want me uh, you know to be angry about some of the things I experienced through the adventure and I said yes I said yes I I wanted you to feel all of that and 
your tears, your emotions, your joy. I bottled it up as a writer and I sprinkle it on myself when I'm feeling not, you know, feeling down uh, and it, it helps me grow. Uh, and no, but I, I, but you know, I, I think personally as a writer, you should have something you want to say. So when I, when I start, when I think about what I want to do, or when somebody shoots me an outline, um, I kind of famously go, what am I going to inject of myself into this? And I'll be honest with the ghoul's hunger. It was a, a perfect opportunity to, to explore the concept of narcissism and narcissistic leadership, yeah. um, because love or hate Geb. Uh, Geb has a very specific opinion on how he wants to rule Geb. Uh, he is enthralled with Nex and cannot leave that alone. And then you throw someone like Kortash Kane uh, from Nemrut Noctori in there, and you have these very powerful, very opinionated, very self-centered folks making huge decisions, and the PCs, the players, are just caught in this sort mm -hmm. of violent sort of tumultuous situation. And I, I'm sure certainly we all have in our lives known a narcissist, at least one uh, in our lives, known someone that, that wants you to serve them and sort of only serve them. And so uh, I understand we're just making games and, and that at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. But my advice to anyone is you should have something to say. Even when I'm writing a, a, a toilet cherry bomb for Starfinder, um, uh, or, or a gummy that seems pretty fun. I think I'm trying to interject an idea in there or a subversion, something, because that's what makes, uh, you think, think about that gummy for just a second. It heals you and, and provides you nutrients. It's also cute. It's also, you know, fun. Everybody loves candy sort of thing, but you also have to eat five pounds of it. It makes you smell yeah. funny, if I remember right. It has a, a negative that it affects your charisma. Uh, and so I'm exploring kind of gluttony, um, uh, you know, the ability to sort of like use use an item to enhance yourself. Uh, and so there's a little bit of like self-modification in there too, uh, yet, you know, disguised in this cutesy sort of package. And I think the most memorable stuff I think about that I didn't even write, I think about the stuff I love to read with Pathfinder and Starfinder or other intellectual properties, they all had something, even if it's said in a very fun loving way, if I think about it a little bit, I go, is that what they were saying? Is that really what they meant? Is there something more yeah. to it? And that's, that's why I love fantasy and why I love science fiction, because they force us to think about those questions, to ask those questions, to consider them. And that's why I love being an editor uh, and, and creating material like that. So I, I think you should start with something to say, because you can learn the system. You can learn how to write for us. You can learn our brand. You can read our style guides. But but having something that people want to consume and use and explore and dig into, that's something that I don't know how I'd train it. So I, I'd, I'd first say to someone, say, what do you, what do you want to say to the world? Uh, and what, you know, in writing, it's called asking the major dramatic question. And I, I would say that first to a writer, what major dramatic question do you want to ask? And you might not get an assignment right off the bat that allows you to explore that. So you might have to pivot a little bit. Certainly when I was writing spells for the Plain Hoppers handbook, I wasn't exploring colonialism or imperialism or capitalism or any of the things, but I was establishing mm -hmm. a career so that when the right product came along, I, I was ready. And so I think mm -hmm. that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of what you should be doing to build a career. And, you know, I don't know, but like 
I don't know if Jason Keeley means to do this, but when I read his stuff, when I read even stuff like the skitter shot, uh, you know, stuff that he's done for free RPG day, he, he puts a lot of interesting political detail in a, in a small section uh, juxtaposed with some really wacky stuff and reading some of Jason yeah. Keeley's and playing some of Jason Keeley's adventures. I thought more, I've thought more about life and how I'm living the life just by playing some of his stuff. And I think that's what the best writers ask you to do. So. Well, I'll mention that too. He, he tells me he tries to make, make things weird. That's what he likes to do, but the weird. Is yes. Stuff. I hadn't realized that he did the other side too. So. Yeah, no, I, right. I and, but, you know, writers won't even know what they're doing sometimes, right? Like I certainly, I think if we took a moment and jumped into what you're doing, I think in every, whether people realize it or not, you have a perspective, you know, I, this might right. get me in a little trouble, but I do kind of believe it when people start talking about get your politics out of art or whatever. I, I firmly believe that uh, every, every bit of art is political in its own way, even if it means to, hmm. to be or not. Um, uh, you know, we, even the absence of one type of politics is the presence of another, frankly. Uh, and so, um, mm -hmm. I, I often think that people, and I've, I've worked with authors, uh, and I mentor authors as part of my job sometimes too, and certainly I mentor developers and I've heard them say, this isn't really about anything that deep. And sometimes they're right, but sometimes I go, no, I just don't think yourself, you're giving yourself credit, especially new authors will often write some really mm -hmm. brilliant stuff. Uh, that's very awesome and explore some really cool, challenging concepts in the game space. And that's, that's, what's cool. Sorry, I'm on a rant. Uh, but, but that's, what's so cool about the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what's cool about the game space. Um, uh, as opposed to, uh, like just, you know, fiction, right. Uh, is that there's agency. You, you can play, you can choose. Mm -hmm. That's why I love writing for games right. because not only are you confronted with some of those themes that challenge you like Frank Herbert's Dune or Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game, you can now make choices. You can be Ender. You, you can figure out how you want to lead uh, a team of children in an impossible situation, you know, and um, that's, that's a, a unique experience that role-playing games provides that others don't get. And that's why I think having a point of view even if you don't completely realize it at first is so mm -hmm. important Be because yes, we're just making role-playing games, but I will tell you when I look at a uh, fan review of adventures, uh, it, it does not seem lost on me that a lot of adventures that people score a little bit more poorly often are like what I would consider the ones where you just go in a dungeon, fight stuff, move to the next room, fight stuff. Now that's not to say a dungeon crawl can't have its own point of view and be very evocative. I think abomination vaults does that fantastically well yeah. frankly um and and really challenges people to think about i mean certainly ravenloft as you think about some of the great adventures out there mm -hmm. um you know that that inspires you to think about all sorts of different perspectives but um you can write something thinking there's a story and the game can take over and kind of undermine your story but you, you've got to have some idea of of uh what you mm -hmm. want to say and what you want to do and i learned that frankly as you know, as an English major, um, in, and with a creative writing emphasis, I think I learned that in college and I'm just lucky that I can have a job that helps me apply it today. So. Well, you know, you've kind of alluded to, uh, some things about what you want to do with your time in the future, but do you have anything cool you're working on that you can talk about or. Yeah. Yeah. So down the road? you know, What's like I said, for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
taking a little writing break, like I said. Uh, but um, I am. I'm, I asked him. I shot him an email last night uh, and, and said, "Hey, uh, Jason, Jason Bullman, can I can I talk about something we're doing together?" And uh, and he was like, "Yeah, I want you to." Uh, and so um, I'm really excited. Uh, he and I. I'm going to collaborate with Jason Bullman uh, on his Eventide uh, campaign setting that he's working mm -hmm. on for Pathfinder Two. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be editing that. Uh, so primarily doing developmental editing, copy editing, and some format editing for him on that so that he can get that first ready for Patreon. Uh, and so that's through his company, Minotaur Games. So I think if you head over and check out Minotaur Games, you can check that out. Uh, and then his Patreon as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to work on that setting. I know Jason's voice really well. I've edited and I've served as an editor for him uh, I always laugh because he he always uses cannot instead of can't for almost everything. He uses that very third edition <laughs> 3.5 sort of voice. Um, and, you know, sometimes we have to modernize a little bit. And I joked with him. I was like, so a lot of what I'm going to do is just modernizing your voice for 2022. And he's like, OK, <laughs> sounds good. Um, but uh, but, you know, I, I'm he's an extremely talented designer. Obviously, he's had a storied career, so it's very cool to work with him he's also a very good friend we're both managers of our respective teams uh him with design and me with editing and we get a lot of time to collaborate in that capacity but not a time to collaborate creatively and so it's going to be kind of fun to work with somebody that i haven't haven't got to gotten to work with in that way uh kind of since the pathfinder core rulebook frankly he and i collaborated a lot there and then we just haven't been able to do too much since so uh the occasional smaller product like accessories uh we worked on the relics deck together a little while ago, but otherwise nothing big. Um, and then I'm really going to lean into uh, writing for myself. So I've got a few, got a few uh, magical realism novel ideas floating around. I, the one of the main reasons I'm stopping with Pathfinder for a little bit, work-life balance is one of it, and obviously focusing on family. But I will say I don't know if you run into this, John, but I started looking at my personal notebook of ideas for things I want to make, role-playing games I want to make. And I'm up to like 30 or 40 things that are sitting there now. And I'm just going, wow, if I keep if if I keep writing for Paizo while I love writing for Paizo, if I keep doing that, I'm never going to get to some of these other things. So um, can't talk about them yet, but I've got I've got some 5e Pathfinder 2 um, sort of like dual system settings that I, I want to work on. Uh, I've got I've I've had for a while a few different types of role playing games that I'd like to make in the world. Um, and what's cool about working at Paizo is we have no non-compete. So, you know, you can you can do these things. Right. So, um, frankly, uh, I think a, I, I may very well, you may see me more into the realm of self-publishing or working with other folks. I've, I've now got a lot of contacts, obviously, in games. So we may work on publishing our own stuff, maybe doing some Kickstarter projects there. The other thing that I've got uh, coming up real soon that I'm excited about uh, is I'm going to be working with the Southern Tomfoolery Network just to run a, a real quick uh, one shot of uh, the Alien RPG by Free League. Uh, we're going to do, I think, an eight hour, uh, an eight hour one shot together, broken up into two four hour oh, parts. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nice. they become good friends. They're running the book two, which I wrote of uh, Fly Free or Die right now, Merchants of the Void. They're running that on their their podcast and uh, mm -hmm. they reached out and were like hey do you, you know do you want to run something and i said yeah is it okay if it's not a paizo product because i love games i've i've ran something like more than 50 
different games in my time and counting. I, I love learning new game systems and running them. Uh, that's a big why, a big reason for why, as you kind of see on my shelves behind me too, there's lots of games uh, and all over this room, there are lots of games. Uh, and I love game systems and yeah. free leagues, uh, free league system. Um, the year zero system that they use to power that has really inspired me lately. I think it's, I think it's very elegant. It's, it's fun. It's also very deadly. Uh, so which for an alien game, uh, <laughs> You know, Ridley Scott's uh, Alien uh, with Sigourney Weaver is one of my favorite, if not my favorite movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I love capturing, as you read off some of my accomplishments, I've, I've written a lot of horror and I love horror. So I, I, I think this is a cool opportunity there. Eventually, and I, I'm learning about the OGL rules for Free League, while it's okay to release Year Zero stuff. I don't think it's okay to actually sell alien stuff without the license, obviously. Mm -hmm. So what I may do is take that adventure, which I'm writing right now, and just release it for free to people because they can't mm -hmm. stop you from releasing stuff uh, uh, for free. So if folks are interested in that, keep an eye on my Twitter. You can find me at Leo Glass Writes uh, on, on Twitter. Um, keep an eye on that. Uh, and if you want to pick up that adventure, I'm probably just going to release it for free. Maybe I'll, I don't know, or, or I'll change my mind and try to get free league to see if they'll let me <laughs> through them. But, um, it is my, I'm, I'm calling it, uh, alien atonement and it is my specific mm -hmm. take on what I would have done if someone gave me the script writing, like said, you know, gave me the keys to the kingdom and said, write an alien movie. This is what I would do, but just obviously in RPG form. So. Uh, I'm I'm excited for that. That sounds yeah. like yeah, a lot of fun. I when I saw Alien uh, when it first came out in the theaters and it scared me to death. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it was an awesome movie. Awesome I, I bet that was incredible. And and we're gonna have the players we have for that are just a lot of fun. The Southern, Southern Tom Fulry folks. I think we're getting uh, Adam, Zach, and John from that. But then uh, Jen, our own Paizo Zone Jenny Drozavsky, uh Starfinder oh, developer. Yeah is going to join us as well. And I I have I haven't played with Jenny. I don't think we've actually ever played together, but I've been on panels with her and I think I have a good idea of her sensibilities and I'm really excited to see the curveballs she throws at me as a GM uh cuz I think mm -hmm. with her as one of my players, she's she's going to try to keep me on my toes, so I'm excited for that. But... Yeah, I've been in uh games that she's run before. She's 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 pretty good at that. I think it'll be fun. Nice. Yeah. She's she's incredible. Right, Leo well, well, thanks so much for for joining us on the podcast. It's been really awesome to get to get a chance to know you here, and I hope I get a chance to meet you in person at one of these conventions, and I can pick your brain about some of the things I wrote, and maybe get you to remember what uh, what I did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I I would be honored, John. I'm 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 always uh, willing, and honestly, maybe I'll uh, you know. I, I can shoot you some of my stuff too and get your opinion. It's always good to have other writers critique your stuff too uh, and give you thoughts. So we can, we can always talk shop. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me.